I'm gonna give you to the count of ten. One, two, ten. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. Merry Christmas, Booby Ho! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful building alone! Can't see the line, can you, Russ? You couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. And we're gonna have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special uh, Christmas episode of uh, of the Seat Struck Movie Podcast, it's episode nineteen today. Uh, we're, we're not Christmas yet; we're December nineteenth, so we're uh, I guess we're a week a week away almost, or yeah, I think just about a week away. So, but we wanted to uh, spend some time discussing some Christmas related stuff. Of course, my name's John, and joining me as always are my co-hosts Curtis, hello, and Quinn. Hey, guys. I would ask you guys, like, how is everything going? Like, what are you up to? But we just had a pretty, pretty long discussion, just going, going, sharing through uh, recent stuff we bought and and, and sorted through. It's pretty fun. Um, today, of course, you know, we're heading into the, uh, you know, the Christmas season, the holiday season. And, uh, you know, if you're a big movie lover, of course, I know for myself, maybe um, you guys as well, too, have fun traditions. But like my parents growing up, whenever it was Christmas season, we would pull out like a big, big box from the basement and it had like a bunch of like, Christmas tapes. And so we would just watch a lot of old Christmas movies. And then, you know, once DVD came, the, the box got considerably smaller it was like oh all the dvds in here and like uh and now that i've you know i'm living by myself with my fiance i've started to really get into like collecting and and re-watching a lot of christmas movies over the season so um you know that's going to be sort of our topic today but just in general i wanted to know like what was your like your experience growing up like watching christmas movies like was that a, a sacred tradition for you guys as well yeah no i i remember having um a lot of uh a lot of movies recorded on tape like uh yeah you know i'd have like all my like stacks of tapes and um you know i could like remember i'd watch them so many times that i would like memorize what commercials were coming up and stuff like that and it was like kind of cool because i don't know i think i think commercials were better in the 90s but that's just me but super like that's cheesy a, yeah. you know shout out to Poly- retro ontario Poly- you can watch all your commercials and shit. yeah and, like, yeah they weren't as like neurotic <laughs> <laughs> yeah no like the family channel and uh and ytv had some pretty cool stuff back nice. then yeah we so. used to have it all in tapes too and like i remember when i used to watch it on tv too there always be commercial breaks and i always have to go to bed at 11 so i wouldn't be able to to see the end of the program and like oh how does it end you know like how does scrooge end you know so i'd be like damn it so it was always nice to have the, the copies on the tape yeah the immediacy of watching it on tv is funny it's like i gotta go to the bathroom and gotta get back in like five minutes or whatever the yeah. commercial break time was you know there's yeah. a sense of you know, you had these three minute intervals in your time that you could just do with whatever you wanted. Um, so today, of course, it's our Christmas themed episode. And, you know, there's so many Christmas movies out there. There's some that even uh, aren't even mentioned on our list or on our honorable mentions that like I would want to talk about maybe even for a for a future episode. But um, I think today we just wanted to kind of keep it sort of high level. Like there's tons of stuff out there. So if you don't hear your movie, you're like, why didn't you talk about, you know, Frosty Returns? It's like, well, I mean, come on. Like there's like, it's not even the best Frosty, you know, there's another Frosty. Yeah, you send us and... an email and tell us why you love Frosty Returns so much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, you know, I've, I've cut off the entire Frosty Returns listener base right now. They're like, I'm done. Not to... But anyways, today we wanted to go over um, a couple of our favorite Christmas movies. And uh, it'll be fun because uh, we've got some, you know, some pretty reliable classics on here, um, some older stuff, some newer stuff and stuff that I think we probably like for like different reasons and also a wide kind of mix of range of movies. I think that's what's cool about Christmas movies is, you know, some people probably like myself, I tend to view Christmas movies as a movie where, you know, Christmas is so central to sort of the plot and kind of heart of the movie. And then you have movies where, they just sort of take place over Christmas and Christmas is sort of like a, 
a plot framing device. And, you know, that, that leads to kind of a wide spectrum of Christmas movies too. Some of them are still hotly debated by uh, people to this day if they're, if they're Christmas or not. So why don't we start off? I guess we got a, a list of names. Why don't, uh, Quinn, you start us off. What was the movie you chose for one of your favorite Christmas movies? Uh, I actually did uh, both of the original Home Alone. So Home Alone 1 nice. and Home Alone 2. Uh, I'll talk about the first one first yeah no i i, I picked these just because like they stand out i think i i don't think i've seen a movie more times than home alone i just love it and like i learn i learn more about it every time i watch it like i notice more and um, those, damn, those damn parents man <laughs> leave it yeah, they forget about their kids yeah they suck i was watching it last night so like this is the last one i watched <laughs> like yeah <laughs> no it, it's just <laughs> it's hilarious man like it's, it's so good i just love I love all the acting in it. Like Macaulay Culkin's hilarious. And, and uh, I'm a big yeah. Daniel Stern fan. Of course, Joe Pesci, like the legend. Oh my God. It's, like, it's like he's yeah. biting his tongue though when he's like trying not to swear. And I'm just so he's like, my fa- yeah. My favorite yeah. is when he, when he gets the tarantula on the face and he just screams. Oh, and yeah. it's like the funniest scream. Like it's so good. It's like the comedic hilarious. acting between them. They're, I mean, they're doing like three yeah. stooges, but like they're doing such a great job with it. And there's like a really good heart to that movie too. I think like just like the whole relationship with that neighbor. Like every time like, I watch the movie, like I, I know it's coming, but I kind of forget about that part of the movie. And you know, it pulls in your heartstrings. The movie is just like, a, I think, a really great, perfect Christmas movie. It really, it's all about various different moods and feelings over the holiday season. Because holidays aren't just about like one central feeling, oh, happy or love. It's about like a lot of complicated things like yeah, there's money. A darkness too that a lot of people don't kind of skip gloss over. Yeah, you know? loneliness, like being abandoned, you know, pain, trauma. Like it kind of brings a lot of emotions that you're dealing with to the surface every season for a lot of people. And I think Home Alone actually does like a good job kind of showing a lot of different feelings. And also just like the hand like traveling that's a part a big part of holiday season you know we all have yeah. older parents and stuff people live away how the holiday seasons is all about you know frantically catching flights and going all over the place so at least yeah. you know less less so during covid times but uh yeah it's it, i love i love that part of the movie too <laughs> no <laughs> it, just trying to go it, to the airport well yeah and that's the thing too like people don't realize like o'hare in chicago is the biggest airport in the world so like it's believable yeah. that they have to like run through it to like get to the like to their yeah. terminal you less know, believable like, they could make it in 45 minutes though i mean now it's like yeah. you know post 11 security it's probably not yeah. happening that's right <laughs> but like yeah i know it, it's just funny how they like they hired the airport uh shuttle yeah. vans and shit and like <laughs> they have that neighborhood they have that neighborhood kid who's like bring me back something french he's like, <laughs> and they're like you know kevin and yeah. yeah, yeah. really dropped the ball on that one buzz is like ruining he's like 11 92 12 when he's trying they're trying to count like, yeah yeah yeah. Oh man, it's just it's so brilliant. It's hilarious. Uncle Frank, though, is the funniest fucking character. Oh my god, yeah. He's like more Chardonnay, please. He's on the plane. He's hilarious. He's like, he's like, is that a real crystal? He's like, put these in your purse. Like, yeah, put this in your purse. He's such a cheap ass. Like, yeah, he's just like constantly trying to swindle a deal. Like, he's just like, he's like, oh, uh, get some champagne. It's free, isn't it? Like, he's like, yeah, he's, he's always like bottle of champagne on his plane. Like, he's a character yeah. I'm drawn to. Like, now that I'm older, watching the movie, I'm like, he's such like a, he's such yeah. like a goofball. And, uh, yeah, and I love like the, the opening of the movie where he's like, look at what you did, you little jerk. Like, he just yeah. wrote, they're, they're pretty brute mean to Kevin. They're just like, I, yeah, I mean, I also, the, he's just like a rich, spoiled it. kid, man, uh, Kevin, though. You I think, think that the asshole, the asshole brother's going to be nice in the second movie, but he's still an asshole in the second. 
second movie. Oh, he's he's even worse in the second. And like the funniest thing is like in the first, like like they realize that they like forgot him when they're on the plane. And uh, Catherine O'Hara is like, oh my god, like how could we, like how could we forget Kevin? And you see Uncle Frank, he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> And oh my I, god i, I love uh i love god, really funny. John, john candy is so good in it too he doesn't get it too yeah many scenes, poke 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 and he ad-libbed the whole thing like uh, he yeah. basically didn't even have a script they were just like oh, figure out god. something and he's like that whole scene where he's sitting beside Catherine O'Hara and he's like you know talking to him he's like oh there's steve or i can't remember the name he's like there's steve you know like oh he, he's got a he's got a story to him and he's kind of just riffing yeah uh, such good comedic acting with him in that one uh, and uh what else yeah Catherine O'Hara she's pretty i mean she's gone on you know as the plate was Shit's creek she's kind of had a resurgence but she's she's really great this movie very charming and uh i love there's a great documentary on netflix like those uh what are they called the movies that made us where they kind of yeah go through they did one on home alone for the holiday season it's really interesting how they built the entire set for the house like through all the you know crazy frantic uh, scenes going on when the the wet bandits arrive that was all done you know it's all shot in this big uh stage but God, that's a huge ass house. I wish I was Kevin. You know, he could have, could have, they could have just could have let him came in and rob him, and they would have been able to rebuy all their shit. So it's a pretty, pretty nice house. Yeah, oh, man, great movie. Awesome. What, you, what was your pick? What was your pick, John? Oh, I think I'll, I got two ones. They're very kind of wildly different movies, but maybe I'll start off with kind of the fun one. Um, this is this one, of course, is Elf. Uh, I don't know. I think it was two thousand three. It came out with uh, directed by John Favreau, starring Will Ferrell as Buddy the Elf. This one, I mean, I watched this one, you know, when I was like 12, 13, and like I thought it was cool, but it's sort of been one that now in recent years like we watch this one almost every year guaranteed and even sometimes in july it's like let's just watch elf if it's like kind of in a holiday mood randomly in the summer and um, I, I think to its credit, like it's just a really solid, solid comedy. And I think like I'm a big Will Ferrell guy and I know some people kind of aren't super into him, but like, you know, what's what's great about Elf too is I think like it does a great job. I think really in the first half of the movie, like when they're at the North Pole, um, it does such a good job at kind of skewering kind of the Rankin Bass style, like uh, like Christmas with like the little puppetry, puppetry and stuff like that. And it's just so funny. Like I think Will Ferrell in that movie is just such a goofball and like so funny to rewatch. And just all of his scenes where he's interacting with people like in the streets in New York when he's just like, running around and people are like, like, what's this guy doing? Like, I think it, the movie, what's the movie doesn't really have much of kind of an, an antagonist to it. Like some Christmas movies have like a, you know, the Santa, there's like a, some kind of evil force or like some kind of goofball and nefarious force. And this is just, there's not really any sort of um, structure like that. It's really just about Buddy the Elf reuniting with like his dad, James Caan. I mean, James Caan's so funny in the movie. Like he's so, he plays such a good straight man character in this flick. And uh, he's just so, he's so funny to watch, like contrasted with Will Ferrell. And there's a couple of times where you legitimately see him like kind of crack on screen where, you know, Will Ferrell saying something, you see him kind of start to kind of hide his face. Cause you know, he's laughing and, and, and kind of, you know, he's, he he's finds it pretty silly. Um, are you guys into Elf? at all or is that one you guys have uh, I actually haven't seen I, I mean I, I, I don't like Will Ferrell that much to be honest but I, I mean he has done some good things but I, I mean it is kind of this Christmas classic and I feel like I should get to it at some point mm-hmm. oh man yeah I I love I love Elf. I think it's a good one. Um, I'm like uh, I'm sort of 50 50 on Will Ferrell too. Like sometimes I like him, sometimes I'm not crazy about him. But um, I think that uh, Zoe Deschanel is really good in it too. Yeah, um, I think she's phenomenal in it. And it's like it's a good New York movie. I'm a big sucker for New York films, so it's yeah. like um, I think they do a good job with that. And like there is there's a lot of like original comedy in it too and i like uh i like the son too james con's son in it oh yeah um, he's wearing like the, the is he wearing like a giants jersey or an eagles jersey or something i think he's wearing like a brian dawkins like eagles jersey or something the whole yeah. time yeah he's pretty funny in it you know like yeah, you, you kind of think good. yeah he's kind of a good kid too because you think at the beginning like oh i don't want to spoil the whole movie but like you know a lot of movies would just set him up to be a dick the whole time but then it's like pretty yeah. early on he has like kind of like a he has, a, he has like a really good heart to him which is 
which is fun. I think the music in it's pretty good. It's got like the whenever I hear the pennies from heaven, like the Louis Prima, I'm like, oh, I think yeah. of the, the movie at the at the fucking mall. And God, <laughs> the boss at the mall is so funny. It's just like I think corporates try to fire us. Whatever they like, well, you know, it's like the whole set. <laughs> so yeah, he's all like uh, paranoid and shit. He's like, he's like, yeah, a little too good. <laughs> they're, like, they're, like, they're like, yeah, these guys are good. He's like, yeah, a little too good. He's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's a, it's I'll a great film. Yeah, yeah. So how about yourself, Curtis? What did what what's one of your favorites at uh, Christmas movies? Yeah, so I. I picked uh, Die Hard 2, one of my favorites, one of the kind of great classic action movies. And I think it's kind of a perfect action movie before Christmas. I like kind of that like we we're talking about kind of how, you know, there's not always this Christmas joy. There's kind of this, you know, darker side to it, too. And I think you get that with, with um, you know, Die Hard 2. Like we see the kind of surface solution of all the Christmas decorations. But then you get this really like extreme kind of capitalistic greed of the, you know, they get the business tower show. She has fucking Ellis and, and then the yeah. terrorists and they want all they want for Christmas is uh, $640 million in bearer bonds, <laughs> you know. So this was the movie, too, that kind of catapulted Bruce Willis to fame. And and there's so many like kind of good comedic moments too in black humor in it from the kind of uh you know the cokehead businessman ellis to the the cool cop powell rising up to the plate and i think um mclean is such a cool kind of fascinating flawed and unlikely action hero too you know he's balding and you know he's not a great looking guy but i mean he still kind of kicks ass and saves the day and he's trying to like also make amends with his wife too and there's all these kind of cool subplots happening in the film too you know um well you know trying to patch things up with his wife too and then there's that kind of shady slimy reporter <laughs> going around trying to make the story and then we have powell and then uh, so much cool stuff happening in yeah. the movie too so there's so many layers to it too and i saw an advertisement once uh, for hard boiled and it was like better than a dozen diehards i'm like well maybe that's true but i mean diehard on its own too is, is this amazing and i mean we have alan rickman to snape uh late but great alan Rickman. He plays Hans Gruber too. So many cool fight scenes and ideas to, you know, where he tapes the gun to his back or, you know, where he's jumping glass shards. And I think, you know, in real life, like John McClane would have died like 10 times in the movie, but um, <laughs> it, it's just so much fun to watch. So what, what did you guys think of it? Did you guys like, do you guys like Die Hard, the original one? Oh man, I love, I love Die Hard. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Bruce Willis, super cool, super fun. I love the uh i love the building they shot it in just like yeah, nakatomi tower yeah yeah it's just sick like <laughs> oh man i just him running around with that gun and shit and just like die hard's an awesome movie and i do consider it a christmas movie i know that's a little bit of a debate and yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like the pineapple belongs on pizza debate like yeah, people are exactly. so like people are so like passionate either way like they're so like fuck die hard it's not a christmas movie <laughs> or like it is a christmas movie and only a christmas movie and what's well, like oh, it's like nightmare yeah. before christmas is it a sick. christmas movie or a Halloween movie, and I think it's a little bit of both. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I, it's a November like twentieth movie, so it's like right in the middle. I always like to watch <laughs> yes. it around that time. That's right. <laughs> it's a good time for it. It's it's funny, and I have a weird answer for, but like I've actually I've never seen Die Hard. I've literally never. Oh, seen you haven't? It. Oh, you have, you have to watch. Never it. seen it. It's yeah, actually, it's one it's of my big movie blind spots. I've literally never seen oh, it. That one, you watch that one. That one and Sons of the Lambs of the Holidays. Yeah, because yes, it's really yes. it's really subversive as an action movie too. And I found out it was just based on a book too, which I I'm kind of keen to check out. It was a book written in the '60s. Yeah, I've, I've seen Die Hard two and Live Free Die Hard. I've never seen Die Hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> I really didn't. I really didn't like Die Hard two. And some people like I like it better, but I was like, what? Like Die Hard. I don't know. Yeah, it's so much better. But, but it's funny over the years, like whenever Die Hard comes up, it's almost always around Christmas time about is it a Christmas movie? And to me, like when I think of Die Hard, I think of like the debates people have about certain movies, if they are or aren't mm. Christmas movies. And like you've even seen it now parody like uh, I think it was Bob's Burgers did like a they did an episode where it was like a little play reenaction of like a Die Hard during the holiday season. Like it's kind of come up now as like a holiday kind of movie or or topic. So um, I'm interested to watch it because like I always hear about this movie over the season and, uh, you know, 
it's it's such an off-mentioned and off-featured movie in pop culture and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I, just, I love how it's kind of become part of the overall Christmas lexicon of what's a movie. Well, I think the, the franchise is you know, there's a lot of kind of offerings in the franchise too. I mean, the the third movie we get Samuel Jackson and we get uh, Jeremy Irons playing. Hans Gruber's brother as the villain too and he has to go they have to go through New York City I think or LA and they have to do all these kind of puzzles to uh and the fourth one I actually like to live for your die hard yeah. and that's with the Justin Long and and that it's and Kevin Smith in it <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's a really fun movie I really really liked it so the fourth yeah, one is worth goofy. checking out and I think the third one too is, is also worth watching uh, but it, it's kind of endlessly quotable too I mean we have like so much so many good quotes from it too you know there's the idiot FBI guys Agent Johnson Agent Johnson no relation to and I think I think it's it's really fun for multiple viewings too so watching it once a year or something too because there's so much to unpack and uh you know uh, there's so many good moments too you know like ellis yeah. trying to, so they're basically this uh, i don't want to spoil too much john but there's like this cokehead uh really annoying cokehead guy he's really obnoxious and he tries to like sell out john and, and it totally backfires <laughs> but oh, actually? yeah it just it, I, I cry <laughs> laughing and quinn knows what i'm talking about i just cry laughing watching it every time because this is yeah. middle section of the movie in the middle section there's this filler but there's no filler at all with this movie it's just like you get the full turkey you know <laughs> like so uh it's 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 really, really great. And uh, I think it's really ho- quite a holiday treat. What was your second pick, Quinn? Uh, so my second pick was uh, Home Alone 2. Nice. The one thing I, I noticed too, especially with this watch, is that Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 have identical... Um, storylines it's the exact same you know in the first one he's kind of scared of the uh old guy after his brother convinces him oh he's like the shovel slayer and he killed people on the block and it's sort of like a a bad rumor about this guy because he's actually a nice gentleman (laughs) and you know eventually they run into each other in the in the first one macaulay culkin sort of offers advice to the old man because he's trying to rekindle his relationship with his son and his granddaughter and he's like oh you should just do it you should just like you know you might as well call him and just try you know and he sort of gives him advice like oh you know you should should be better and you know like look out for your family and maybe you shouldn't be so mean to your brother and your and your family and then in the second one he's sort of scared of the bird lady yeah and Again, they he faces his fear and they run into each other and they end up going to Carnegie Hall and having a hot chocolate in the uh, in the rafters part and you know mm-hmm. she offers him advice and he offers her advice and it's just a really great movie and again like I said before I'm a big sucker for New York films and um, I think they capture New York City um, great they have a really sort of iconic scene where you know he's just getting into Lower Manhattan and uh, he ends up going on top of the World Trade Center which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I think Donald Trump is in that movie. Yeah, whenever I watch it, I'll like... He got pissed off because they cut him out in a scene or something. Yeah, no, Donald Trump's in it because he owned the Plaza Hotel at the time. So apparently they were like, I guess Trump said like, oh, well, we'll allow you to film in the Plaza Hotel, but you have to give me a cameo. Being the narcissist that he is, he's like, yeah, you got to let me be in the movie. It's the greatest greatest cameo of all time, folks. The greatest. Many people say Yeah. Yeah, I used used to watch um, Home Alone 3 too when I was growing up too. Did you guys watch that? I actually kind of, yeah, I watched a little bit of that one too. I mean, Disney now they have like all of them. There's no Macaulay Culkin. I I like how he has like his little remote control car and shit. Yeah, what I remember in that one, he's kind of a dick. I was re watching it recently, I think it was last Christmas I was watching it, and like he, like the the, the stunts are, I guess, like the traps are like even more dangerous and disturbing. Like, there's what guys are getting blown out of like walls and stuff. I'm like, this is like, like, he's destroying his like house. 
traps. <laughs> no, it's good. Like they, they got super creative um, in the second one. I think I like both of them, um, like like even like equal. I like there's certain elements that I like in the first one, certain elements I like in the second one. But I do I do like the uh, the torture that Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci receive in the second one. It's absolutely hysterical. Like there's like no yeah. floor because like the uncle's doing renovations in the house and like they're doing like he, he brings back the paint cans on the staircase and they're like, oh, remember what happened last time? Like they're going to throw it. And eventually, like after a couple of times of them faking being hit, he ends up throwing this like big bar down and knocks them out. And they like fly off the staircase, fly down through the hole and all the way into the basement floor. And oh then he cuts God. the... He cuts the bar off and it rolls down the stairs and falls yeah. off. It's uh it's super creative, super funny. And uh yeah, I mean Home Alone and Home Alone 2, man, like they're just classic films. They'll always yeah. always be uh two of my favorites, definitely this time of year. Did you guys um, watch that movie uh, Better Watch Out too? I didn't like it, I thought it was too malicious, but it's kind of like Kevin Term- Kevin McAllister. Yeah, he was like, actually a psychopath <laughs> and had him in like the home alone situation and he like turns against his babysitter and stuff and like I me- I mentioned that in the bonus episode that yeah. we did. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was a really man, you know, what an asshole watching that like kid I felt kind of really sh- I it really felt, shitty watching it, but it was a very good plot like twist. Like I had yeah. no idea it was coming and like it it was a, now that I think about it, Poor you could have framed it in this movie. It's a really great job at just sort of parodying Home Alone. Cause like a lot of times people talk about Home Alone is like he's actually like low-key kind of like a psychopath the way he pathologically plans. Like he could have just called the cops and like you know, but he has to like plan this elaborate Full thing. Survivalist, out. yeah. It's like the movie's really playing on that, but I thought it was it was uh it was still like it did a good job kind of like flipping on who was on top who was on bottom in terms of who's being now like the the mouse in the trap and who is and it it did a good job kind of playing around with that absolutely what was your your second pick john oh man mine was a much different movie it was uh i don't remember exactly what year i want to say it was 1940 uh in 1946 uh the frank capper Mm. classic it's a wonderful life you know as a kid like i I will, this would my parents would watch this one and like it, I I didn't I didn't did not like it but it wasn't yeah, really like three hours yeah yeah it's not really like a movie with like color and you know you know little puppet characters or you know uh, or killers or anything like that it's a sweet kind of uh, schmaltzy old Hollywood uh, classic but you know the older I get when I come back to this movie like I I find the subject matter of it really uh, connects with me a lot it's a very dark movie like a lot of people I mean people kind of know that who watch it over and over but like it, it's quite a dark movie especially like the first half of this movie where it's you know setting up this sort of two different characters like this like kind of almost like cosmic Clarence he's like this character that just like he's literally an angel he kind of floats into this whole movie and then we we see George Bailey this really down on his luck man who you know his finances are kind of ruined his relationship with his family is kind of fractured uh, there's this sort of evil kind of he's not really evil but he's just like this ruthless capitalist uh, boss uh, what was that Potter who or Mr. yeah Mr. Potter who like runs like the banker he's like kind of a rival guy oh and, he's a piece of shit that guy yeah, yeah and then yeah <laughs> and George Bailey you know what you are you're a spider Mr. Potter <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god spot on man yeah it's like I'm, I'm right here with Jimmy Stewart but uh, but uh, yeah I find like the subject matter of it's so dark and like that first open half when it's like mm. george bailey going to really getting to the point where he's he's gonna take his suicide, own life it's, yeah it's it's quite dark and then but like i just love like the movie doesn't it's, it's pretty but pretty oh, much the, just the, sort of a retelling the, the, of the, end, the ending is beautiful too it's yeah it's, it's essentially just a retelling sort of, of of christmas carol in terms of the type of movie it is but like mm. it does such a great job at kind of really going over his whole life like you know his relationship with his brother like how he saved his his young brother's life uh, i i even that scene where like the what was it the pharmacist where like he mm. uh 
he messes up the order and then you know the pharmacist is like this drunk and, and we find out like that the pharmacist had lost a son and he, he reacts reacts really violently but then immediately breaks down and it's such like a really the movie does such a great job playing with like dark emotions during the holiday season and i think yeah, uh, you know yeah. you know because as millennials too i think you know like we're not used to getting that exposition to the the, the the first hour and a half kind of sets it up too and i think yeah. it works so well for that movie too but i mean you see how much how good of a person he is to how good the family that's why it really hurts too when you see him getting lashing out at his family too and he's like oh you kids always stop don't stop talking and you know it's just like no that's not how you really feel you know it's yeah. just fucking mr mr potter poisoning everything you know yeah the ending really hits me too like i think it, it does a great job of showing like what christmas is about and it's like you Merry know christmas you know, movie whether, house. <laughs> whether you're a popper or a prince like christmas is about the people that you celebrate it with and about family and it shows like you know a man what is what is a man without a man without friends you know it's, it shows like the, the important thing is having a family and friends and people that care about you and will be there for you in your corner and it always chokes when i watch this movie now like the final sequence where, oh, he, where so he gets beautiful. back to bed from hello bedford falls yeah <laughs> i would What's i would have learned from my arrest of going to jail i, I think i would have thrown a rock through mr potter's window i know that doesn't go with the movie but i, I just <laughs> fucking hate that guy merry <laughs> christmas george in jail <laughs> i yeah, fucking crack up it's so good oh man old, yeah old turd <laughs> It just it, it's just such a mature movie like I think and when yes. it, it's interesting when that movie came out like people maybe I'll spend like a whole like Canada episode on it because I think it's a great movie but like I, I the ending of that movie like when that movie came out people actually generally thought the movie was a little bit too like saccharine and schmaltzy but like I think like there's this like I get that, that element is there it is saccharine in, in earnest but it's not based on nothing like it's based on legitimate you yeah, know really dark emotions pe- and people care yeah and there's it feels the, earned it feels you get the full earned. spectrum of emotions do so you get that kind of pseudo- suicidal despair kind of lack of the disillusionment yeah. but then you also get like the people are you know i'm an optimist so i mean i think people are generally good at the yeah. end of the day too and you get that in that film too and it's really feel good film i think and there's something yeah. for everyone too they don't just have that kind of sugar-coated kind of uh, oh this is what christmas is about you get kind of the darker side too like people contemplate suicide people are in a dark place you know that kind of comeuppance at the end too and it's you know literally yeah. paying it forward what did you watch uh what's your what's your second favorite christmas movie well it, it was tough one? it was tough because i I thought about Nightmare Before Christmas, thought about Gremlins, and then I was like, you know, we always watch uh, at home uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation every year. Oh, so Chevy, Chevy Chase is fun. my favorite vacation movie. Um, yeah. And this so came that's out. That's the best one for sure. Brilliant. I think, I think it's as old as me now, 1989 too, and uh, it's it's so much fun. Like the jokes. I mean, some of it's you know, watching again, some of it can be a little bit cringy. Some of it can be a little yeah. bit sexist too. Um, but I mean, there's so much to enjoy here too. You know, the old, the old uh, fart, the old uncle che- chewing on the stogies and setting the tree on fire and the, the deaf aunt <laughs> who can't hear anything. You couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant, the squirrel in the yeah. tree. And then, you know, like, oh, there's just so much. And um, I loved also that <laughs> I love this, like in the eighties, there's like this hatred in the nineties. There's like this hatred for yuppies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's very like this fan. His neighbors are these like <laughs> shitty, like goofball, like yuppie yeah, neighbors. And, like they're just what, getting annoyed. What's her name? Julie. Oh yes, wonderful. Yeah, and an iconic the VHS cover, copy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's great. It's uh, they have the animated secrets at the beginning, and the the, the VHS cover has um. Uh, Chevy Chase getting electrocuted too, which he probably did in yeah. the film. Great, so very great cut. Christmas song too, like the theme song. Like it's a very good uh, Christmas, really Christmas vacation. vacation. Yeah, yeah, it's a good yeah. mood watching from, it yeah. from the first scene too. And and yeah, it's it's a really good. Like it's a feel good film, and uh, it's like fun to watch together as a family. Um, yep. There's so many good sections to yeah. it. Even even I think John Hughes wrote it too. And I mean, there's even the sexist parts. Like I mean, it's still kind of fun to watch. You I think yeah, talk about Chevy it. Chevy Chase you know? is just so good in it. Like God King Chevy Brilliant. Chase. Like, this is probably like near the end of his prime, but like you know even 
though he's a notoriously an asshole and a dick like he's just so yeah funny. i think because like i think it's like community and then i think uh, there's nothing really in between that yeah, you know? no that's basically what's, <laughs> yeah. what's it like since community but like he's just so biggest vacation he does such a good job playing just like an anguish like kind of kind of dad and like you know as like i'm, I'm not a dad myself but like as i get older i'm like i kind of relate to a lot of his grievances and like shit that he you know trying to set up christmas lights and things just aren't working and you know just kind of stuff like that i I connect with a little bit more as I get older. So yeah, yeah it's so funny. I love to, uh, Elaine from uh, Seinfeld, um, Julie oh, Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man, she's so hot in that movie. And she's like, she plays one of the awful yuppies. And I just, I loved her in that movie too. Cause she like stands up for herself at the end. And I was like, you go girl. And then like, yeah, um, Randy Quaid too is the gross out cousin. Oh, and he comes along the RV. Yeah, and like <laughs> The good thing is though, too, about that movie is like, like I know for myself and and many other people, like it's such a family bonding movie where like, yeah. like oh man, like you talk you talk to anyone about uh, Christmas Vacation, like if they've seen it, like you're immediately inviting them to have an hour chat yeah. and you you try to completely recite every fucking line from the movie like all the jokes it's like one after the other after yeah, the other it's so other. good like, yeah. oh man An like amazing every script. time my family Jail and i talk club. about it we just, we're just <laughs> always a, like reciting all the jokes it, man it's just it's a good inter-family movie like a lot of movies are like about families but they don't actually like show much of the family and like, That's right. like i think home alone is kind of an exception like you see a lot of like you know look at you did a little jerk and like all the different personalities <laughs> but this movie is like the best movie that does that like it really shows oh. like how families can just be full of so many weird eccentric you know characters you want to pull their hair out and like it yep. shows you how dysfunctional families can be too so people can relate to that like it's um it, it's so crazy and so frantic well it's neat all the illusions too that link everything together as we talked about it's a wonderful life but that's obviously uh, you know nodded to in uh christmas vacation you know where he like takes the chainsaw and cuts up the uh, the the bedpost and uh, the mm-hmm. signpost or whatever and then you know it, as you said too it's a wonderful life is kind of alludes to uh christmas carol too so i mean it, everything's yeah. kind of connected which is kind of really great yeah, I, I love that movie, too. And I think, you know, I also really appreciate uh, Clark Griswold, too. I mean, he tries so hard to make it such a perfect family Christmas. And it comes mm-hmm. with all the kind of frustration. Oh, man, his breakdown at the end is an all-timer. I, I always rewatch that. <laughs> YouTube. Da- it's so good. Danny fucking K. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and oh, man, there's the family members that you just can't. Like the in-laws, I fucking can't stand the in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's so much fun. And it's not yeah, really. It's a great movie. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah, we had some honorable mentions, too. What, what kind of honorable mentions do we have? Well, I can go through mine real quick um yeah. i have a, a one that you know there's not really much talking there but i love those ranking bass like puppetry kind of yeah. style christmas movies you know rudolph's the most popular one but i really love year without a santa claus uh, you know, I'm Mr. White Crisp. I love the snow miser, heat miser. I don't thing. know if it's, I've seen that it's one. It's so goofy. And uh, it's it's a pretty fun, silly, like little, it's one of the like lower budget, lower tier ones. But uh, I, I've watched it so many times for a period of time. Like I was unironically calling it like my favorite Christmas movie just because it was like on TV all the time. And I just was constantly hearing the stupid snow miser, heat miser song all the time. And uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. Like the music and it's really good and it's pretty charming. Um, another one, another classic. My parents watch this one all the time. And like I really associate Christmas and movies with this movie with them is the 1951 Alistair Sims Christmas Carol um, you know, classic I don't know if it's the best Christmas Carol but I mean it's probably maybe mm. like the most iconic one it's sort of the yeah. one that kind of for the for a lot of like baby boomers and stuff like that that, was that one in Muppet Carol. Christmas Carol yeah. yeah I think Muppet Christmas Carol was sort of like the I would almost call it like the Gen X or millennial like version of like what this movie was for like our our parents growing up but uh, yeah it's a classic uh, and I think Alistair Sims actually underratedly funny in it when he's just like he's like goofing off and you know when he's getting giddy he's like <laughs> he's wearing all the the garb and stuff it's a it's a classic and it has like one of the scarier I think like a ghost of Christmas future like I always love how the movies 
different movies depicted especially my next honorable mention a great one is scrooge uh yeah maybe right. this is sort of like the spiritual generational success like the and i love it really it really it's great too because it has that kind of biting social commentary edge where it's like scrooge you know he's not just this like kind of aristocrat from the 19th century now it's like he's this like tv executive who could give a fuck he's like yeah probably, show probably, probably a yuppie and, yeah <laughs> yeah he's a yuppie guy again this really fits into your camp of late 80s 90s movies like skewering yuppies and i love bob bobcat goldway <laughs> so funny watch out he's like as the shotgun like it's so and like the the angel she's beating the shit out of him and i think it has some it, it's it's it does the great job showing the christmas carol again and you know i, I think it has like kind of you know bill murray at his uh, you know it can be a little bit cloying at times but i think sometimes like he's uh kind of plays the same guy but i think he does like it's one of his most iconic roles and i actually really enjoy his kind of like rant at the end like it kind of hits me it's goofy because i love i love movies also that like know they're a movie and they're in a theater it's like okay you could leave the theater now and he's like go oh, go get popcorn now it's uh, i love seeing that it just makes me laugh so it's it's one of those flicks so yeah what about you guys for honorable mentions what are some of your other uh favorite ones you can go first, Quinn. Sure. Um, actually, I put together a stack of VHSs, and these are my honorable mentions. I'll first, uh, I'll start off with the original How the Grinch yes. Stole Christmas. Yeah, classic, yeah. Boris Karloff. I love it. And I absolutely love the original song, um, You're a Mean One. Yeah. It's, dude, voice, it's just super cool. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's just so well done. You know, 26 minutes to only. It's just like... Yeah. It's just such a classic, man. It's, oh, I love it. Um, moving ahead, I got White Christmas. Nice. Um, speaking of Danny fucking K. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, awesome movie. The colors in it are gorgeous. Uh, this is my wife's favorite, too, so I had to get a copy Bing Crosby's got a great voice, too, yeah. Yeah, um, I know, uh, Chris, this is one of yours, but I just have to... Yeah, no, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a classic. Um, another underrated movie, in my opinion, is not the horror version, but the family version of oh, Jack yeah. Talk, um, <laughs> with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton I think yeah. this movie is actually really, really good, and it doesn't get the praise that it should. I just think it's like good comedy, really good heartwarming. The yeah, soundtrack is brilliant. Very, very good. It actually, that movie makes me cry every time I watch yeah, it. It's very emotional it, movie. Oh, is it ever? It gets me. One of my absolute favorites all-time favorites i watch it every year probably twice obsessed the muppets christmas carol oh i love that movie brilliant mm -hmm. movie um michael kane <laughs> I want to say, I was going to say, to say I'm a Michael Caine fan is an understatement. Um, <laughs> I just love, I love this movie with all my heart. I always have. And of course, uh, kind of a good pairing, a little good double feature is the 2000 version yeah. of the How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Jim Carrey, yeah. Yeah, pretty goofy one. It's goofy. It's Carey funny. It gets job. me. Yeah, it's, it's just awesome. Like, I'm a big Ronnie Howard fan. And yeah, I just love that movie. Again, very quotable, very fun, very good family movie. Some people don't like it. I, I personally love it. I've always loved it. I remember getting the VHS when it came out and been a huge fan uh, ever since. So yeah, those are my honorable mentions. But uh, what about you, Curtis? What do you got? Uh, Gremlins for me, one of my one of my absolute favorites. Mm. Uh, I, I was I was hard to pick them down to two because I was I was at the top of my head to everything about that movie, you know, from the Joe Dante to the to the kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> Howie Mandel as uh, uh, Gizmo. I just I just love everything about that movie, too. It's a really fun movie. There's kind of dark moments, too. It's almost too dark for kids, I think, sometimes. Yeah, when the mom just goes full Rambo mode. Yeah, on like, I don't know. She's like in the blender. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, like she, she went straight into she... Peter Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> People have the script on that. Yeah, she Psycho, yeah. around. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, it, it, there's something for everyone in that movie, too, you know, and then they had the 
Corey Feldman's in it too, and Phoebe Cates. And it's hard to like, it's hard to, after you've seen like, I'm glad I watched Gremlins before Fast Times at Ridgemont High, because I think if you watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High and then you watch um, Gremlins, it's really hard to see Phoebe Cates in the same way, if you know what I mean, because she's just so iconic in, in Fast Times, I think. Yeah. But it's it's such a great movie, and I love the, it's very subversive in terms of plot too. There's a lot of darkness, especially with the science, te- the idiot science teacher. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's a dumbass. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's great. And Gris- Gizmo is a great character that scene where he's driving the car and oh there's there's so so much to enjoy there and i also really like uh nightmare before christmas too quinn had the beautiful vhs copy of that too i mean i'm not sure whether it's a christmas or a halloween movie maybe both but i think it's it's amazing movie the stop motion is amazing too i actually i always thought that tim burton directed that one he produced it yeah no he only produced it yeah it's one of the And the, the, the designs are amazing, too. I mean, we kind of see it with Corpse Bride, but I think in terms of, like, stop-motion design, I think, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas is one of the best ones, too. We yeah, have the- another, another Catherine O'Hara one. She plays Sally. In oh, it, does she really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, I like I like the demon children, and my friends and I were discussing. Yeah. We're like, we hate the demon child. I like, I love the demon children. Yeah, <laughs> they cause so much shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. And it's, oh, it's like Danny Elfman at the peak of his powers too. It's really great, yeah. Danny Elfman. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much to enjoy there too. It's again one of those really subversive films, I think too. And um, I, the last film that I want to mention was the. Uh, I think it's the '60s, uh, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the stop-motion one. Oh my god! So yeah. I really like that. And that ad- abominable snowman is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's scary in it. It is, and there's there's so many good moments. You know, like the the little elf who wants to be a dentist, and there's like Cornelius from Alaska or Canada or Yukon, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, oh, it's it's just a wonderful story. And I like the the Santa Claus is coming to town to the stop motion. They did a whole bunch of the stop motions. The little, little drummer boy, too. The little drummer boy one was a little bit creepy, but yeah, it's I the like... best of the Rankin Bass ones, I think. Like yes, all, all they're all really good though. So I remember watching the sequel like as a kid. There was like a made for really one, or it was like a Rudolph goes back i don't know something it was terrible but <laughs> rudolph goes be, back to the <laughs> i don't know it would be weird to watch i think it was done with like a cgi or something at like early 2000 cgi but uh yeah it's a classic i just love the little glowing nose too it's so iconic it is yeah the the the, the uh, you know the um the abominable snowman does this that horrible growl thing and it sounds like a gojira kind of goji thing. yeah yeah <laughs> so like, ah! i love the silver and gold the... oh <laughs> so, beautiful so yeah frank, is it frank sinatra yeah. i think or is it uh not Frank Sinatra. I can't recall to be honest. Yeah. Oh, it's the one of the Danny fucking K guys. I don't know remember their names. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fred, uh, Fred, 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 no, Fred Astaire, I think. Yeah, Fred Astaire. Just the voice. Yeah, I think so. It's one of the classic yeah. guys. Yeah. So those are all my uh, honorable mentions too, and um, we, it's probably we didn't want. More, like, we didn't want. Yes, yeah, so many good ones. What did we? Yeah. What did we watch this week? What did you watch, John? Sure. Um, I, I watched a, a lot of stuff last week. I didn't have much time this week to watch too many things. I'll just go kind of chronologically. Uh, of course, as I mentioned last week, I was watching, uh, you know, Rocky. I watched the first Rocky movie, which I think is a, if you've never seen the Rocky series, check it out because mm-hmm. it's a legitimately great movie. I rewatched because I was trying to watch it in time to go see the uh, the new Rocky Four uh, director's cut. Uh, I watched uh, Rocky Two, And I, I mean, I, I, I've always said I love Rocky Two, but honestly, rewatching it, I kind of was less enthused by it. I think like, it's such a long movie. It's like easily like a good like 30 or 40 minutes longer than the last Rocky. Like Rocky three is like almost half the length. And I think Rocky two is like, it spends so much time at opening sequence. Like I really like how it does kind of show like Stallone's uh, Rocky is like nouveau riche. Like it's like showing the difference between like what true wealth and what being rich is. And it's like, Oh, come on, Adrian. You like that coat? I did, I did. That co- I did, he's, just, he's blowing through money. Like buy Let's forget this house. Like, you know, if it looks good, like, you know, back when, you know, people could just do that with houses. And, uh, yeah. and I love, it's really tough. Okay, that scene boom, where yeah. 
<laughs> when he's trying to film that um, commercial scene and he's like pretending to be like a caveman and like a boxer and he's like can't read off the cue cards and like they're losing it with him um, it's kind of I feel like the it kind of plays fast and loose with this character there's times where he seems like a total like incompetent like he can't even read off a cue card and seemingly incapable of doing anything and then there's scenes where it's like where, where Adrian's in the hospital he's like I wrote you a poem and it's like a really beautiful it's meant to be written in a kind of goofy way but it's really beautiful I'm like you can write beautiful poetry but you're just a you know an interesting character but man I always said like this was a movie in my books that if I'm ever at home watching TV going through channels and it comes on like 40 minutes in like I have to watch the rest of it this movie's on there because I think like once it hits the kind of montage part like the rest of the movie's great I think the fight choreography is a lot improved in this and mm. uh, I think it's got a better score I love the um, the, the Bill Conti score it's, it's like nice all the other to, rock yeah. yeah it's nice like you know in the later movies too you know when you see Apollo and, and Rocky bonding too because there's no hard feelings after that fight you know they just kind of bond after that too and it's kind of sweet yeah and I also I didn't have time to see Rocky 3 but I did go see that new uh, Rocky versus Drago the ultimate oh, I must break cut. you <laughs> it was cool but I gotta say it was weird because like at least here in, in, in Ottawa I watched at the uh, the Cineplex like they, before the movie started they played like this like t- like Turner classic movies like interview with Stallone that was I guess part of like a promotion like when they came out when it debuted in November they had this like live streamed event where they like did an interview and it, it, it was like it must have it felt like it was like a half an hour long I was like this is kind of boring and like I mean it, the movie was clearly meant for people who have already seen Rocky Four, so they like they to, to know what's changed but like during the interview he's literally spoiling the movie I'm like I feel bad for people who've never seen the movie you came here they're like I already, already know what happens but I mean I'm not a big I personally not a big Rocky Four guy which I know Rocky Four I think kind of overall has probably the, the most popular it's really yeah, the most popular oh, I love the it, Rocky yeah. movies I'm honestly not into it I, I think like I, I know Americans are really into it it's very jingoistic I'm not you know as a Canadian I'm just like I can't really connect yeah. with the, like cold warness of it but uh, I you know I, I don't know I think Rocky Four, the new cut I have to go back and watch the um the original cut because it's been so long I know like the kind of what happens but I know there were certain there are certain scenes I know famously they cut like the whole robot scene but I kind of wish they didn't because I think that goofy stuff kind of again it, it harkens back to Rocky too where it's like hey remember this guy even though he's rich now and you know he has this massive house he's actually still like a goofball at heart he's a lower class guy and I think it kind of loses that and it, you know Stallone mm-hmm. was like oh you know the, the last rock that Rocky famously had tons of montages I had to really clean it up and I'm like Half the movie still montage, so okay, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't dislike it. It's uh, for it's, at least it's very punchy and short, and I think you know, uh, Dolph Lundgren's great as this Drago, this monstrous guy. He's so much bigger than Rocky. He's like, how is he allowed to just like fight this guy? He looks like a he looks like a huge statue. You know, he's famously Swedish, so he's playing this Russian guy. Pretty fun, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. That was fun to watch it. It's, uh, I think that's um, the one too where he's like when he's training, he like pulls Polly along on the sled or something. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so funny too because you're contrasting. Oh, Rocky's training through traditional means. He's like climbing in a barn. He's like pulling sled, and it shows like Drago's like juicing up. I'm like Stallone <laughs> is like at the prime juiced up level playing Rocky in this. Like Stallone was easily he's like popping. fresh out of Ra- fresh out of Rambo. You know? Yeah, you watch Rocky and he's kind of he's he's, he's tough, but he, he has like you know his body fat to him. You watch watch Rocky forward. I'm like this this man was like taking so much like trend like this guy was just like in the zone and they're like you know it's like it's kind of silly i always find that like america i do love apollo in that one though he's so great he's such a handball playing like the oh yeah like, and James, it's devastating yeah, too and what happens Brown, the living in america oh, comes yeah. out, like, Wait, where's this american outfit yeah i'm like this that is, is the most so american thing. outrageous too like <laughs> yeah so outrageously america like living yeah. in america this is <laughs> a big huge ass flag <laughs> The cut did two cool things though. The cut had for that moment, like it had Drago, a scene where Drago kind of shows up beforehand. He's kind of in the ring by himself and he's kind of just talking with his like staff. And then it like he raises it rises up and then he, everything's happening. Like it was kind of cool how they redid that in that flick. And also I think the uh I don't want to spoil too much, but the Rocky, what he's doing is sort of like uh 
um, reading his sort of eulogy, like he they, they he did like a different version of it, and it was like kind of more less scripted, and it was actually really 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 touching. But uh, yeah, I'd have to rewatch both of them. I'll go a bit quicker because I know we've been going on long. I uh, right. I watched uh, Godzilla, the classic Godzilla, the 1954 one. They were showing it at Bytown, the 4K resto. I'm a Godzilla is one of my yeah. favorite movies. I'll do a I'll do a solo up on it or like a, a canon up on it at some point because I think like that's such an amazing movie. And uh, yeah, God, rewatching it. You know, I mean, like, it's obvious, but like, I, I, you take it for granted, like you're watching it and there's like, I love, I, I was drawn, every time I rewatch movies, I'm always like drawn to certain scenes that I just don't spend as much focus on. And there's that scene where like all the, they're evacuating like the school, like the local high school. And one of the school girls is like, kind of like, ugh, like we already had to like flee to, to escape like Nagasaki. And now I have to do this again. It's like, oh yeah, these are like people who are, this movie came out like nine years after Japan was bombed, nuclear bombs. Can you imagine if like Ottawa was bombed and hundreds of thousands of people died and then nine years later we made a movie about it but using this like yeah very insensitive yeah nature <laughs> metaphor it's such it's an incredibly dark movie and like when they just they, when they pro- portray godzilla emerging it's so it, it's a natural disaster it's like houses being destroyed like it, yeah, it feels climate, so climate authentic. fiction yeah and i love how they don't reveal him until like a good half an hour in when they're going up the mountain you see his head pop out it's actually genuinely terrifying i think um, people really don't give godzilla enough credit the original because it's a but don't I, I find the american one genuinely kind of repulsive because it kind of it it puts in like uh it was raymond burr he's just like oh hey he's pretending he's in the movie kind of just like narrating over it and you know it's like let's take this horrifying like depiction of tragedy reliving trauma of like the the world war ii the hiroshima and nagasaki bombings but let's just add this goofy american guy it's kind of a it's pretty tasteless, but I mean, that's the one most people grew up with because I think the, the Japanese one wasn't available until um, fairly recently, but uh, yeah, pretty classic movie. Um, I also watched some Lynch stuff. I went to go see Mulholland Drive, but before that I rewatched uh, probably my favorite Lynch, Blue Velvet. I think that's just an incredible movie, um, incredible score. I think- Next. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it has like that, that, I think this movie and everything to follow had pretty much the same style for Lynch but I think like mm. there's that scene I always like you know the movie has like it's about really about darkness and kind of evil that exists within like mm. our, Dennis you know, whether, whether you're in you know it's like the swamp it's like whether you're in like suburbia or anywhere there's always going to be darkness and evil but the movie is all about like you know I think light kind of overcoming that I love that scene mm. when uh, Laura Dern is talking about her dream and saying like you know when is when is this dream it's really touching and you know it's kind of corny as it always is with Lynch but it, it, you know, there's an earnestness to it that I really connect with and I mean great performance Frank, 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 Frank Booth is terrifying oh my god yeah he's like past blue ribbon toxic masculinity embodied you know endlessly quotable though it's one of the most iconic (laughs) villain roles but i mean isabella rosalina i'm looking respectfully definitely like if you're looking at the the hot crazy scale is like an upper right quadrant on that uh on that list i love i love that scene i love that scene too where call mcbachman just decks him in the face and you hear that punch too and yeah yeah yeah. next (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's such like a it's such an it's just such a timeless movie you know i watch it now and it could have came out like last year like it, it feels so like kind of out of space and time almost but uh and the score and the music and it's fantastic i love uh i love uh, i can't remember his name uh i think baldamati or whatever like the, the man who does all the scores all, and all the lynch stuff like especially maholland drive like i think he does uh he does such a good job uh with this one and i think it's got like in a really a really underrated and sort of uh so one thing for me with that film to too I, I think there's a lot of great scenes in blue velvet but i really i mean maybe this is what roger ebert said too I, I didn't like the way they treated isabella rosalini maybe that's just the fact of the, the film itself because we have this kind of horribly misogynistic uh you know frank booth too but what did you think about that aspect of it too because i was one of ebert's criticisms of the film i think too there's you definitely like, think? yeah, I, I find like, I think the movie does like an interesting job at showing kind of her trauma and like how, mm. 
you know, we, we see her as being like this trafficked or abused, abused person by Frank Booth. And then, you know, when Kyla McLaughlin emerges, it kind of plays it into sort of like a like a Dom sub role where like he's like, she's like, take off your clothes. And yeah. holding his, her knife, knife against yeah. him. Yeah. And it's like, it's sort of flipping it around. But then we kind of see like, oh, is that is that her? It seems like that's based on her own kind of her trying to project her own trauma. Like the movie is 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 clearly depicting like how shitty like these terrible men are that like mm. destroy women's lives and what's interesting is we only really get a little slice of it too like i don't want to spoil mm. the whole movie but like we see frank booth and we see like the yellow man it's like how many other characters out there this is really what kind of yeah. this movie is the sort David of like Lynch a proto, proto twin yeah. peaks yeah this really kind of set the stage for well i think a lot of his subject matter and you know movies. for like as 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 kind of heterosexual as as frank booth comes across as there's so much like you know um, you know, homoeroticism to, you know, where he has like the love letter and he kisses him and stuff. And he's like, where's yeah. your cute butt hiding? And I was like, wow, Man. he's really, he's really to call McLaughlin. I mean, who's not, but I mean, like, look how suave he is. Look how suave he is when he's looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazing scene where he's singing the road orbit said, God, I fucking love it. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Great. Did you watch, did you watch that one? Clint blue Velvet, or you, that's still on your list. eh? Still on my list. I have the, okay. I have a copy of it on VHS. I'm waiting for like the perfect time to watch it. Mm-hmm. um i'm excited i'm excited to see blue velvet man I'm, i just oh i'm i'm just on a big david lynch kick thing right now too like mm-hmm. big big david lynch fan and i actually just picked up uh i forgot to show you guys speaking of that i managed to get pilot episode of twin Peaks. oh, oh nice. wow cool. on vhs wow on VHS. So, that's a collector's um, item <laughs> yeah man i i don't know like i'm still not done twin peaks but i'm on the second season now and uh, the wife and I are enjoying it, even though it's like really bizarre and very <laughs> David Lynch like. But hey, yeah, no, I'm ex- I'm excited to see uh, to watch Blue Velvet for sure. Yeah, uh, and then on that note, I watched Mulholland Drive, which I don't I don't like Mulholland Drive as Great much movie. as Blue Velvet personally, but like oh really? I, I like think it's it more, really yeah. it's a really interesting movie. Like I love how it's almost like a Mobius strip. It's like I mean. I I I I'm free, I'm a big dummy, so I frequently get confused watching movies and like no stranger when I watched this, I was like, okay, what happened? But you know, when you read over sort of and I love what when this movie came out, David Lynch, I think on his website had like a things to watch out for when you rewatch it. And he had actually like a thing, like a little list that you could like have on hand and like follow along. He's like, pay attention to this moment. And you know, I but I love how it's almost like a movie strip, like the movie kind of envelops back on itself. So I but I think it's a really interesting, like listening to his interviews about the movie, like you know, exploring this kind of off known kind of road, you know, famous popular road in LA where it kind of connects to a lot of different regions of the city and kind of, it's a love letter to LA and it's a sort of film culture. I love uh, Betty Elms. I mean, oh my God, she's so, I think uh, uh, the performance in this, Naomi, Naomi is so good in this. And I think like, uh, I love it. She's like, I'm from Deep River, Ontario. I'm like, I know that place. (laughs) And, uh, but I love, I I love the performances. I think, um, I think some of the acting in it is a little a little goofy. I love the little vignette though with um oh, what's his name Justin Thero is that director and he's just like he go he we sees his like wife or girlfriend being like you know cheating on him and he gets like the shit kicked out of him and it's it's so uh it's got a little Jacques Tati influence there I think you know he's he kind of I love kind of when Lynch goes kind of little goofball kind of 60s throwback comedy yeah because he does he he has a like lesbian scene everyone's like oh there's so much depth to it I'm like no he just wanted to see these two gorgeous actresses have sex (laughs) together come on there's no there's just it's this is wild man's fantasy you know like come on (laughs) I was watching a recent interview or an interview a few years ago it's like I love beautiful women and I love factories or like a factory and he just came up randomly in a sentence like, that explains a lot of his uh his, his influence i don't think laura hearing's that good as an actress in this but i mean mm. it's an iconic role and i think uh yeah. you know i just love how like i think she the, gives you know, a lot movie, to it 
yeah, there's a real big darkness to the movie, but it, it reminds me a lot of Blue Velvet and sort of its subject matter and, and style. But uh, it's just such, and I, you know, it has that great Winkies diner sequence. Like that's an iconic scene and it, it does such a great job at building dread when it can. And again, uh, Ballad of Menti is like a score. The, the score in it is so good. Like it's a beautiful theme. And uh, yeah, saw a lot of stuff. Um, sorry for the, sorry for going on and on, but I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, Curtis, you watched uh, a lot of stuff. Why don't you uh, share? Yeah, I'll kind of blitz through it too, because I did watch lots this week. So I watched Spencer too. A lot of the films that John watched last week. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought it was really well done. Awesome uh, great performance from uh, uh, Kristen Stewart. And like you said too, I mean, you really, you know, you do, I think it's probably her best performance and yeah. you do get a lot of sympathy for Princess Diana, especially after watching it too. And it is, it's, yeah. it is, it is quite, you know, I felt anxious the whole time watching she, it too. Cause she acts with her hands. I was reading an interview of someone talking about her and it's like, she watch your hands. Like she does such a great job kind of clenching and, and yeah. tension, I think. Yeah. And stress. And I love those scenes where, where she was actually with her children too. I thought those were especially, you know, where there's that weird scene where they're in the middle of the night where they're like talking yeah. to each other. And then when they sing Mike and the mechanics in the car and I did feel yeah. kind of, I think just as as kind of you know I, I working class background I, I felt quite alienated by the kind of all the wealth and everything too but I did feel a lot for Diana watching it too so it is really well done film and I watched last night Soho too I really really liked it um I yeah like you said John I I don't know why it's getting all this flack because I just thought it was a really good movie and I I think yeah, it's, it it's it's no baby driver but I mean it's it's really good and I think um what's her name Thomasy McKenzie oh I I love I fell in love with her watching it she's just such a great actress and and so is uh, what's her name um the other actress i can't remember her name oh anya taylor joy anya taylor and the, and yeah yeah she was great too you know and and uh you know i i felt like Thomasy McKenzie with some of my English friends that I met when I was in England too. So it felt very personal watching it. Diane mm-hmm. Rigg was great too. I think this is her last film role. Yeah. And you could tell like it's, it felt kind of uh, strange watching it because she looks so much older than in Game of Thrones. And I was like, oh, you know, I hope she's okay. And she was amazing in that too. Uh, so really, really good film. I think you'd really like a twin Quinn too. It has a lot of those kind of giallo kind of palettes when you watch it too. So that was kind of fun. But there's mm-hmm. kind of like horror and there's like comedy and there's like drama and and sometimes, you know, the plot is too convoluted, but I mean, like, and there's, she, there's that asshole bully from Manchester who I was, I was like, oh God, another scene with her, you know, but like, uh, you know, it's such a good film. I, I, it's really entertaining. I think that's why we go to the theater too. And it make, it was really fun to watch. I watched uh, Agnes too, which is another non-sploitation film that came out this year too. And uh, I forget the director, Mickey Reese is the director. He's, he's kind of a weird director because he just does, does everything at breakneck pace. And I think the film really suffers too. They tried to, do different things with this like halfway it just totally changes gears the first half you get this kind of cool exploitation film but it feels like every 10 minutes is like a new kind of tone to the film and the mm-hmm. second half i i don't know i think the, the parts work on their well on their own but not together and i think he just should have spent more time on this film because it was just disappointing i think uh bernadetta is a much the paul verhoeven one is a much better exploitation film um macbeth i watched the uh, roman Polanski one yeah Dark it was really good fuck. Dark we watched. We, we had a bit of some technical difficulties, so I, I screened it for my, my my first years at the university, and it was a nightmare to set up, but we got it working. And yeah, nice. it's very dark because it happened after the Tate murders and everything too. And you see that uh, uh, Martin Shaw, one of my favorite actors, plays Banquo, and yeah, it's it's really really dark. And uh, King Duncan looks a little bit like the Burger King too, but that was yeah. fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a big luscious beard. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it's a, it's the first film he did after the Tate murders, and it came. It's, it's the film he did after Rosemary's Baby. 
introduced a lot of kind of Rosemary's Baby influence because I know you guys like that movie. Um, so if you like uh, Roman, well, if you like Roman Polanski's work, you know, probably not the, the main guy because he's kind of a piece of shit, but uh, it's worth checking out. I watched uh, Tiger King, the Doc Antle story. I don't know why I watched this because I hated Tiger King too. Is this separate from season two? Is this like a separate Yeah, thing? it's a spinoff about the other asshole. They're all terrible narcissists. Yeah, God. It's uh, I don't know why I watched it. Well, this guy, I think they tried to shoot it like a cartoonish kind of spinoff with like, you know, with the, but Joe Exotic was kind of like large in life and kind of cartoonish. Yeah. This guy, we found out that he's actually like, you know, had sexually abused like young girls and stuff too. Whoa. So it took a, like a really dark turn. I'm like, well, this doesn't really work anymore. And it was only three episodes. So I think they probably started filming it and they're like, we could do something like Joe Exotic. And then they got all this footage. And so on one hand, it's nice that all these women can come forward and tell their story. Yeah. But on the other hand too, I mean, it just, I, I think the, the, the Tiger King franchise has been really milk dry. And I think it's, it's really not a good documentary. It's, it's kind of like, they don't really have anything to back it. Like, obviously I believe all the women, but beyond like that, you know, when they, they're kind of the documentary tries to kind of critique. Yeah. The whole Carol basket thing is just so good. Yeah. It's just it's, like it's salacious gossip rather over, than yeah. kind of like strong kind of, I find a lot of the Netflix documentaries are like that. You watch it yeah. and the whole documentary is like, this person is the worst <laughs> thing. And it's like, well, no documentary. The best yeah. documentaries, well, maybe not the best, but I think like the best ones do a really great job at kind of showing just, you know, make your own conclusions on what's happened. And rather than like, here's this, you know, some, some good ones do. I mean, all the documentaries kind of do have their own little um, conveniences like that like you know capturing the freedmen's is if you if you watch the behind the scenes like i never want to yeah. watch this again it's like oh yeah it's, it's, it's a, a, it's a classic enough, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a classic yeah we're gonna have to talk documentaries again we haven't even we barely gotten into the into some of the classics but, yeah there's uh, that other one too that the munchausen by proxy but we'll talk about that some other time yeah, yeah. um i watched uh my girlfriend hadn't watched breaking bad so i nice. i rewatched uh the, the pilot and then i watched the season finale and it just so much happens between that the show still my favorite series and the this the the, the, the pilot is really interesting too because they, they were going to kill off jesse i think too we actually get nudity in the first episode too because they wanted to pitch it to hbo and i mean in the first episode like i mean and <laughs> The characters are awful too. Like Hank's awful to, to Walt. He makes him feel shit at his own birthday. I mean, you know, his Skylar, you know, on his birthday serves him veggie bacon. I mean, who wants fucking veggie bacon on your birthday? Like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, Junior's complaining about like eating veggie bacon and he, he doesn't make breakfast. And it's just like everyone, it's awful except for like uh, Gomez, who's, who's, who's amazing and everything, you know? And yeah. there's, there's so much, you know, that really comes to mind. And I actually thought of Macbeth actually when I was rewatching uh, Breaking Bad again too because i'm like well there's the catalyst you know the witch's prophecy is you know him seeing the drug bust on tv with hank and that you know and uh, there's a lot yeah. of cool parallels with with uh, walter white's story and macbeth so uh, i was teaching my first year's macbeth and it really made me appreciate the so so i told That's my whole I, I told my whole class to watch uh, breaking bad so we'll see how that goes i guess um i watched uh, the rebecca the the original friend uh, hitchcock rebecca i tried watching the the Jamaica Inn adaptation that wasn't very good, so I watched Rebecca instead. It's a little bit slow. I mean, it's not my favorite Hitchcock movie, but I, I really appreciate the atmosphere. And jo Joanne Fontaine was really good as as the second wife too. Mm -hmm. I always thought of uh, Elizabeth Taylor as as the, as the actual Rebecca too, and have uh, Laurence Olivier playing the husband Maxime. I think his name's Maxime or something. And uh, yeah, it's this this woman, and she um she's the second wife. She nightly bought gets married and then her first the first husband has or the first wife has been killed or died or something we don't know what happened maybe maybe her husband killed her maybe he didn't we don't really know and then everyone always talks about how beautiful rebecca is and they haven't really gotten over rebecca and you know it drives the uh, second wife to madness and it's really well done it's based on a daphne du maurier novel again too so i i want to read the book to my my girlfriend has the book uh 
the book is for a book club next month. So I'm hoping I can pick it up off of her when it's done. And I also watched My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. It's a vampire film, kind of one of those philosophical vampire films to like um, mm. uh, Abel Ferrer's The Diction or Let the Right One Into. And these two uh, these two siblings, they take care of her, their, their younger brother who's a vampire too. So they have to go around killing people. And I don't know, like, if they're complicit, or I don't know, you know, if if you know they're just going to extreme lengths to protect their family member too. But I mean, the the younger sibling kind of felt like a dead weight. He didn't really add do much, so I don't really know why they had that bond with him. But anyway, it was a good movie. It was on Shutter, and I I really liked that too. And last but uh, certainly not least, as I watched Once Were Warriors, it's a Kiwi film, a New Zealand film, uh, came out in the '90s too, and it's about the Maori kind of family too, and they're kind of uh, the victims of kind of. Uh, colonialism but also kind of poverty and alcoholism and abuse too and basically this this the father is quite uh he's this very patriarchal role and this goes against kind of maori kind of culture too because they, they don't have this kind of patriarchy within too and he abuses his family too and then later on in the story too there's like sexual abuse and and it's 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 a really heavy film but uh, i rented it for like three dollars and it's a it's a masterpiece i would say too but i mean just uh you know, don't expect cotton candy when you go in because yeah. it was really heavy stuff. But uh, Once for Warriors is probably one of the best films I watched in a while. I wanted to watch something lighter after, but I couldn't really think straight after because there was just so much to process. But I'll probably write a review on the on my blog website uh, soon about that too because there's so much to unpack. But that's what I watched this week. Uh, what did you watch, Quinn? Uh, well, I didn't watch too much, but um, on Friday night, it was the Joe Bob Briggs Christmas special on Shudder. Oh, right. Oh. Um, so I watched that. I had, um, I had my brothers come over and we had a couple drinks and watched it and, uh, he did two movies, but I didn't end up watching the second movie. I just watched the first and the first one was a movie that I've been wanting to see for a while. I've seen it on my VHS group on Facebook a lot and it's called ice cream man. Yeah. 1995 starring Clint Howard, uh, Ronnie Howard's brother. And, uh, oh man, this movie's bad. Um, <laughs> oh, it's bad. But uh, basically, uh, yeah, the IMDb uh, plot anyways is poor Gregory after being released from the Wishing Well sanatorium. All he wants to do is make the children happy. So Gregory reopens the old ice cream factory and all the unappreciative brats are reprocessed re into the flavor of the day. Yeah, it's basically just Clint Howard driving around in an ice cream shop with fucking people's eyeballs in the ice cream and he's nice. giving them out and he's often people and it's a bunch of garbage. It's a bad movie, <laughs> bad movie, but um, definitely a, um, a, cult, a cult horror favorite from the, the 90s. Um, and it was super cool just hearing Joe Bob spin on it and everything like that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the show. So uh, yeah, it was a it was a good selection for the Christmas special anyways. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's all I uh, have been able to watch other than my uh, my two Home Alone picks uh, this week. So uh, yeah. The other, one, the other one's called uh, Gator Bait, I think. That's the other episode. Yeah, yeah, Gator Bait was the second. Oh, man. Gator Bait sounds good. I love I yeah, check that out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it. I might watch it later today. Gator Bait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna watch a lot of stuff. It's finally the Christmas season, you know, coming up. Finally have some time off, so I'm gonna try to get through some good, uh, good movies. Maybe some backlog stuff I've been putting off. Maybe I'll watch Silence of the Lambs. That could be a good Christmas. Oh yeah, and, and Die Hard, and Die Hard, <laughs> and Die Hard. Yeah, I'm gonna have to <laughs> prioritize yeah. those. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It was great to chat with you guys. And yeah, you I too. Think 
I think next week we're going to chat Elvis. I, I maybe Quinn will be available. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll actually be able to join us for talking Elvis. So we'll see. But uh, yeah. I think um, next week we're going to uh, get back to the Carpenter wagon, and then following that we're going to uh, who knows? We, we got some other topics for. Uh, we're planning yeah, Jurassic we Park special... and Star Wars for January. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, we 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 got some guests lined up, and I've got some friends you listen that are interested. So for those listening, um, let me know what movies uh, you want to come on for. I think I I like I like when we kind of do our regular stuff, and then we kind of have guests on for for just random ones because it's fun to just talk like some pretty old popular classics, like ones we've seen a lot. Like God, I mean, Jurassic Park, man, that's such a great movie. Like, there's so much there happening in that movie, and. Uh, yeah, I don't want to dress <laughs> part, but I can't wait to watch that talk. <laughs> can't do it the laugh. <laughs> oh God, I love Nedry. Ah, well, we'll, we'll save that for the Jurassic Park. Anything you guys want to mention? It's a beautiful Sunday. Uh, I gotta get my turkey. Yeah, I'll, I'll do uh, a once going. once we're Warriors uh, review on my on the uh, back row review soon. So cool. I keep an eye out for that. Cool. Anything yeah. uh, for you, Equin? Uh, well, first of all, I definitely like to wish you two gentlemen and every, everyone who's listening a Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too. And all, all, all our listeners. Yeah. And everyone. Yeah, um, Merry Christmas. Yeah, just uh, check out uh, Seed Shark Reviews on Instagram. Uh, I'll be writing um, more reviews probably this week. I think I'll be able to watch a little bit more and I got some time off work. I think I should be good to go next Sunday on Boxing Day. So I'll let you know um about that to do with elvis um but yeah just have a merry christmas and enjoy everyone that's yeah, it you too, cool. Man. cool for me i'll quick plug uh domestic pine selling my other podcast where you drink great review <laughs> beer we're doing some holiday theme ones so check those out uh, i also did a bonus episode for last week as mentioned so uh i talked about some of the favorite movies i watched 2020 i went through a ton of them so it was kind of like an extra long what i watched personally so uh if you want to kind of get some recommendations check that out yeah and uh, just doubling what quinn said of course yep merry christmas happy new year enjoy the holiday season stay safe of course and we'll catch you all again next week take care everyone Thank you.